as our society continues moving in the direction it's been taking, I become more and more aware how important it is in our times to study the writings of George Orwell. In 1984, he demonstrates how, how important it is to be careful with our words. What happens when words are used to distort and confuse and mislead rather than to clarify and explain and educate? And it's always inspiring to see how Hazal anticipated the greatest minds of our times by many, many centuries. And so you look in the Gomorrah and Tainus on Daf Dalet, Omen Aleph, and you find a very interesting discussion about three individuals in Tanakh who did not articulate themselves with the kind of clarity that they should have. One was Eliezer, that when he davened for uh, to be able to find a wife for Yitzchak, he didn't clarify, didn't specify that it should be someone who was actually fit to marry Yitzhak. And similarly, Shaul HaMelech, when he promised that whoever defeated Goliath, the giant Goliath in battle, would be rewarded by being able to marry his daughter, he didn't clarify that it should, again, be someone fit to marry his daughter. But most intriguing and most tragically is the story of Yiftach, who when he went out to battle, he promised to Shem, made a vow, if I'm victorious in battle, whatever comes out of my house to greet me first when I return, I will offer it up to Hashem. And the sages say, how did he know it wouldn't be a dog or some other kind of unkosher animal? But it was worse than that, because his daughter came out. And Yiftach, believing that he had to honor his vow, he went ahead and did just that. And according to Chazal, he actually offered her up on the altar. The Rishonim hedge their bets a little bit. They, they reinterpret uh, what happened there. And they say that he actually cloistered her away. He gave, sent her to a, live in a monastic existence for the rest of her life. She never was able to marry, never able to have a family. And it says that this became a chok b'israel, a statute in Israel. And we understand from that that the sages, when they discovered what Yisro had done, they publicized how wrong he had been and the error of his actions. Now, it's not clear exactly what it was that they, that they found fault with. Um, according to some, they criticized him for not going and asking a Shiloh. Always ask a Shiloh when you have a problem, even if you're sure you're right. If it's, if it's a matter of tremendous consequence, always best to clarify. Um, according to Rav Hirsch, they actually criticized this whole concept of monastic living. It's not the Jewish way to go live in a, in a monastery somewhere to isolate ourselves from people. We are, we're, we're social creatures. There's a community, there's a kahal, there's a tzibor, and we're supposed to live together. However, I'd like to focus in on this issue of not asking a shiloh. Why didn't Yisrael go ask a shiloh? How come nobody told him what he should do? Well, the Medrash tells us that Yiftach said, I'm, I'm the manhig, I'm the leader, I'm the shaifet. I'm the, it's like a melech. If there's something wrong, if something I need to know, people should come to me. The sages should come to me. And the novi of the day was Pinchas. And Pinchas said, if you have a Shiloh, Shiloh, I'm the Novi. I'm the Kohen. He should come to me. Neither one was willing to be mavat there on their cover. Neither one was willing to forego their honor 
And so the tragedy unfolded. It's pretty difficult to understand this because Yiftach may not have been Shmolanovi, David Amelech, okay, he wasn't the greatest of the great, but he was still a tzaddik, he was still a gadol, he was still a leader of Klai Yisrael. It sounds so petty to say that he simply refused to go ask a Shiloh. How can this be? And Pinchas? Pinchas was, he, he was head and shoulders above, above anyone in his generation. Why would this little matter of COVID stop him from going and preventing a tragedy? I'd like to suggest that the answer could be found in the Mishnah Perkyabos that says there are three kasarim, there are three crowns. There's the crown of Malchus, the crown of Kahuna, and the crown of uh, Limit Torah, crown of Torah, right? The crown of kingship, of priestly service, and of scholarship. And Yiftach said, I'm the man, I'm the leader. I wear the crown of Malchus. And that, I'm the single leader of the Klai Yisrael. And therefore, it's not a question of my covet. It's not my personal honor. It's the honor of the position. It's the honor of leadership. If that's compromised, society deteriorates. And Pinchas said, I'm the Kohen. I'm the Novi. I'm the Talmud Chacham. If people don't respect scholarship and spiritual service, all of society will come unraveled. And each one felt it was so critical that the nation recognize the priorities, whether it was of Malchus or of, of uh, Kahuna and scholarship, that they, they felt they simply had to stand firm. But then what does the Mishnah say at the end? It says there is one crown that transcends them all, that rises above them all, and that is the crown of a good name. No matter what our position, we have to remember that even Malchus, even scholarship, even Torah, even Kahuna, it all is there to serve a purpose of Kiddush Hashem. When I live a life where I have a good name, that's the most effective way for me to make a Kiddush Hashem. When my shame is Tov, when people look at me and they see Hashem in the way I live, and they see Hashem in my actions, in my values, in my willingness to step aside, to forego my honor, to find every possible avenue for accommodating others, for serving truth, for serving the best interests of Klai Yisrael. If we would be a little less makpid on the cover that we think we represent in the world, and a little more conscious and devoted to the cover that serves all of Kal Yisrael, and consequently Hashem Himself, then we would bring much more shalom into the world, we would avoid many tragic mistakes, and we would definitely hasten the coming of Mashiach Bimeir Bimeir.